Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. This week, we're testing out a new format. Instead of me asking the questions, I wanted to have someone else come on and ask me questions. That way, it wasn't just stuff that was rattling around in my head. Uh, specifically for the people that are trying to understand tactically and strategically, how do we do what we do for clients? How can you do it yourself? And are we the right fit for you? Am, am I the right fit for you? And so that's why I wanted to have Heidi Brooks come on and ask me a series of questions, treat it like a free consulting call. Depending on how people respond to this, we may do more, we may not. But this is an effort to continue to add more value for the people that listen to this. So appreciate everyone that tunes in every week. Hope this episode adds some value for you. Heidi, thank you so much for joining me again. I, I feel like it hasn't been that long. This is a good way for us to keep in touch. Totally. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure. And I love our conversations. They're always enlightening. Yes. And so I asked Heidi to be on again, but for us to switch roles a little bit. So she has experience producing content herself. She's made a video series, but she's also a marketer who gets paid to generate results for her boss, her client, her customer, which is her employer. And so I thought instead of me asking the questions this time, I would let her ask me questions and then we'll see what questions I can answer, which ones I can't. And hopefully there's some value in it for people to hear things from a different perspective. Instead of me coming up with the questions and following things in my mind, I have the curse of knowledge. Heidi hasn't heard me speak a million times. And so hopefully she can come up with some good ones. Heidi, I'm going to turn it over to you now. All right. I definitely think that the audience will gain some insight from this. I'll jump right in. By the way, my name is Heidi Brooks. I am director of sales and marketing for VCP sales, which is a pipeline coding distributor and supplier and marketer. So we specialize in launching and marketing new innovative pipeline coding. And I appreciate this conversation because as a hybrid role, these are genuine questions, Matt. And I've interviewed a lot of marketing companies and I've always told you, I will go with you and <laughs> utilize you for many things. So I've seen a lot that's out there. And so I can't wait for your um, insight. So I'll jump right in. The first one I feel should be an easy one, but when hiring a marketing company, what are the questions I should be asking and qualifying them for the person or company that will do the job? So what questions should I be asking them and qualifying them for industrial marketing? Because a lot of companies, a lot of generic marketing companies will say, oh, we're the best, this and that. And they're very, very smart. And it seems like they can really put a campaign together. But when it comes to industrial marketing, they fall flat. So what questions should I be asking when hiring a qualified one? Yeah. And I think that's a great way to frame it too, because I think you have to start out with asking yourself is the skill set that you need actually specialized to industrial marketing, mm -hmm. right? If you said, hey, one of our problems is we're not showing up in search as much. So that the technical components of search translate across a lot of different industries. So maybe in that instance, it's not as much of do they understand industrial marketing? It's can they actually get us up in search results? How are they going to do it? And then how are they ultimately going to measure success? And so I think the first thing is identifying, do you actually need the skill set to be specialized in industrial marketing? And a way you can get there is, what is your goal? Are you trying to form new relationships? Are you trying to grow brand awareness? Are you trying to create content? Are you trying to pop up an SEO? And so after you get through those questions internally and identify what skills do you need? What skills are you good at? What skills do you actually like to do? And then you identify those gaps. 
then I think it gets down to pulling the question apart in a way that you have to have at least knowledge to understand, right? If they're saying, hey, we're going to generate leads for you, great. Anyone can generate leads. Tell me what leads you're going to generate for us. Why do you believe that these are the right leads? How are we going to convert these leads? What information are you going to tell them ahead of time? So when they come to us, where are we going to pick up the baton and what kind of questions are we going to ask them? And so going into that, asking the questions from that perspective, and then giving them the opportunity of, you know, how do they answer? You just mentioned people come in and say they can do a lot of things. And People can do a lot of things, but not all results are created equal. And especially in different industries, it's not the same, right? You're not selling a widget necessarily, even though you are selling a widget, you're selling trust in that widget and you're selling trust that it's going to get there on time, which I don't think about as much, honestly, when I buy a pair of jeans off of Instagram, I think of what's the fit. And so figuring out if, does it actually need to be industry specific? And then once you identify that it does or it doesn't, and let's say it does, figuring out how to ask that question in an industry-specific manner. That is a terrific answer. And the best part of that answer was the right leads. A lot of marketing companies outside of someone like yourself don't really understand who the decision makers are and who the influencers are. And that's really important for them to understand that because I'm not just in the pipeline industry. There's pipelines in oil and gas, there's pipelines in water and wastewater, and then it's not just pipelines, it's corrosion. Even if you didn't know all of those aspects, it's important to know somewhat a little bit to at least identify that, okay, they're not that, and then you can troubleshoot. So your question is exactly where I would hope that they would start. I like the filling in the gaps because I do have a hybrid role and there are things that I enjoy doing and I'm really good at it. And I know the industry or my customers better. So I would prefer keeping it. So I I appreciated that. And then of course, what are our goals? Well, it's to make money. (laughs) I am marketing oriented, but I'm very sales oriented. So I'm sure I'm going to give some cliche answers. What's the ROI? No, that was great insight. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're approaching it correct. And I think the important part, especially for yourself, where you have a vision, you understand the industry, you directionally understand where you want to go. Finding a partner that supports you, I think is more important than someone that can come in and do it. Because if someone comes in and says, we're going to generate leads, that's such an ambiguous thing. And how are you going to do it? You're going to send a million emails out. If you send out enough of them, some people will come back. But what are your ultimate goals? Like Heidi, what are your goals for the organization? Right, then right. what skill sets do you not have or do you not have time to execute? And then filling right. in those gaps with either an agency or honestly, like I tell people, if you can lead and you can develop the strategy, there's a ton of good freelancers out there. That's our agency's model. It's why well, I have two people that work in the business full-time. The rest is skilled freelancers like SEO. We do SEO as a part of what we do for content. We're not an SEO agency. If you reach out just needing SEO, we're going to say, that's not our cup of tea. But when we make content, especially long form content, we want to understand how that's going to show up in search. So we have someone that that's all he does is paid search and organic search because I don't have that skill set and I don't want to take the time to get in there, but we need that as a component of what we're doing for our clients. Yeah, absolutely. Very insightful. So my Next question, it can be taken a few different ways. How do you measure ROI over the course of a year? That's a very blanket question. So take it wherever you'd want to. No, I think that's a fantastic question because and it's a question, honestly, I struggled with for about eight months. And I feel like now we're really getting there where we understand the way everything plays out. We understand 
not only the way it plays out, we understand the limitations, right? If I'm with a huge brand, we can generate results quickly. But what that really is playing off the existing brand presence and putting the message in front of the right people, and you'll convert that way. But when we're working with a smaller to medium-sized company or even a larger company, and what we do is we execute thought leadership programs for people. So we ghost right on their behalf. We distribute the content. We measure the results. We report on it. But then we also just create content strategies and then processes for the customer ultimately to be able to execute themselves. With our large customers, our whole goal is to work ourselves out of a job. So they recommend us to the next one. And then we can move on to the next large client because no large organization wants to be tied to a company. They want to be able to eventually bring things internal. And then after that, we support them with hey, we're thinking about running this campaign. What do you think about this? And then they pull us in for some strategy work or maybe they have more thought leaders that they can execute with their internal team. So we'll come in and take on a thought leader and run that part of the program. And so the way we measure ROI is if you think of it on a quarterly basis, the first quarter is identification and process. So the first quarter, we're really trying to get to know the client, get to know their goals, get things implemented. And so we're saying, okay, within three months, we're going to have all this stuff set up. We're going to have this piece of information identified. Here's the way we're going to execute. And so the first quarter is measuring how are we performing based off that? Do we understand your target customer? Are you in agreement? Do we have your positioning done? Do we have your messaging done? Some companies have that done already and we can just plug and play and cut that out. But a lot of them haven't taken the time to think about that, particularly in a right. specific sub-market. So the right. beginning is information identification, providing the positioning and messaging, and then measuring how we're coming along in the process. The second quarter we execute. And so once we start to execute, it's trying to measure the stuff that's happening offline as much as online. So we tell everyone, hey, what was it like when you'd go to conferences before? What's it like now? And we prime this ahead of time. Are you getting leads through LinkedIn Messenger? When you go to conferences, are people coming up to you and talking to you? So we're measuring that offline stuff. And then also, what is it like when you go in to talk to customers? So we've identified these three main problems that we solve for customers. When you go and have a customer meeting, are they talking about those problems? Or are they talking about it from your perspective? And so it's process. Then we're measuring offline. Then we get more specific online. How is individual content performance from a third quarter standpoint? How is content performance going? Are we converting those opportunities into leads? Are we hearing more stuff in the field? And are we able to convert from a conversion point? The conversion points, we do not have that down to a science yet. That's a continual thing that we need to get better at engaging perspectives. And I need to understand better. Fortunately, we've been able to generate enough results for clients that the conversion points haven't been as big of an issue because it's, hey, we weren't talking to this customer. It's someone that we targeted. And then, hey, now we're coming in and our first meeting isn't talking about who we are and what we do. It's talking about these specific problems that we've identified. And so we're able to say, hey, you formed a relationship that much quicker. The customer believes in it. We can show them some data that points to that. And then, hey, that's a good measurement for us. We ultimately want to convert people from a website, but in some areas, it's like I tell people, you're not converting a $100 million project from a website. Right. We might get some leads from there, but the fact is there's a defined amount of opportunities in certain industries that we serve. And so that's a tougher measurement that if that's all you judged it by, we would never be successful. But if you take a more holistic look at it, it's, oh, wow, this is really working. And then fourth quarter, if you call it the end of the year, if we're with them in a long-term relationship, 
we're fine tuning those conversion points. So, so we have some smaller and medium sized customers that they don't want to go hire a marketing team. Like one of our customers doesn't have anyone in marketing. We are their marketing team. And so them it's constant refinement. Hey, what's happening? How's the content performing? How are the messaging buckets performing? What are you hearing when you go to things? And then also making sure some of that stuff we're doing online once again, makes it offline. So they're giving presentations now to customers that they meet and they talk about the content. And so how do we make the content that they're delivering in person match the stuff that people are consuming offline. When you yeah. talk about a larger customer, we're turning things over. The fourth quarter is really when we're fine-tuning the process and allowing the customer to take the reins. Okay, you're taking this. We're here for support. And then we're coming back behind and filling in. What does the process document look like? What does the onboarding document look like? And is it reflective of you being able to do this on your own without us in three months? That was terrific. That was terrific explanation. One thing I wanted to point out is thought leadership. So many companies and higher up personnel or executives don't understand what that is. So it would be nice to brand a new term for that because I think so many of them need it and they don't understand. There's not enough recognition and thought leadership, so they don't really read anything on it or whatnot. And it's really important that they utilize a company like yourself or Obviously, they don't know much about it on their own or else they would know what thought leadership meant, but they really need a lot of thought leadership writing done or just someone to push their original work. Even if it's from five years ago, if it's something that fills a void or fills a niche, they need a company or someone who's passionate in marketing background to push that information out there. So I wouldn't have thought thought leadership would be a term for that unless I was just trying to develop professionally, which is probably what you're speaking of. But industrial-wise, I think of it more as how to build credibility on not just my character, but also do I know much about the product or case studies or things like that. So do you guys do any technical writing? Yes, absolutely. So thought leadership is an umbrella term for everything that you just right. described. So there are some companies that they have actual thought leaders where they have technical engineers that focus on a specific subject that they view the technology, they view the industry a specific way, and they right. want to be able to communicate that broadly into the market. A majority of our thought leadership is actually individual leaders with inside the organization that don't necessarily have a technical perspective. They're either a sales leader or they're the president or they're a vice president okay. of business development. And it's, we're getting their personality out there. Our whole thing is people buy from people. In the industries that we serve, people buy from people. I agree. And we focus a lot more on the individual LinkedIn profiles than we do the company page. The company page is typically in large organizations handled by the marketing team. We work with the individual people that are out there in the market. And so we train them on how to, hey, go out there and find LinkedIn connections because every time you post a piece of content, it's going to your direct network. And so we work with them to be able to develop what are the key things we want to talk about in the market. And then we ghostwrite content on their behalf we refine the content based off the ghostwriter. The ghostwriter gets better every time. We have three or four ghostwriters that we use to do this. And we have our process that we use. And at big companies, we teach them the process. Small companies, we just execute it. And then we schedule all the posts. And then we review the performance and then report on the performance. And so if you think about it from a busy executive 
or a leader that isn't good at writing, but has a message to get out there and knows they need yeah. to be present can mm-hmm. work with them in a couple hours a month and make it so they're posting on LinkedIn two to three times a week without them actually having to do it. And then they're just responsible to engage with comments, continue to make connections, and then bring us information from the field where they're having conversations. So we make sure the content stays pointed to their actual audience. And we focus on that in two different ways. There's always one bucket that's industry specific, but then we tell everyone that people buy from people and people are personalities. So if you don't share your personality, if you don't share your perspective on leadership, on how you grow a team, on your passions within the industry, your content's going to sound like a big commercial and people are going to tune out. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Thank you for answering that. So companies are actually investing in you for them or are they hiring you as well. If you're a sales leader and you recognize that you need to be present on LinkedIn or you want to be present on LinkedIn, or maybe you have a PL leader that needs to be active on LinkedIn because they're connecting with customers, they want to utilize that. We'll come in and either set up a process for them to be able to hire a writer, depending on the size of the company, and do it full time, or we ghostwrite for them. We schedule all the posts, we do it all for them. So we get hired to do both. A majority is actually executing, which is funny. It's it's nice. It's fun. I learn a lot about the industry sitting in a lot of these meetings, and it's a way for us to be able to continue to grow and support people because a lot of companies of all sizes have writers, but they don't have ghostwriters necessarily, right. or they have a writer that could be a ghostwriter, but they also have proposals, presentations, all these other forms. So for them to dedicate someone full-time doesn't make sense. But then if they just hire a writer and don't have a process and aren't able to translate, that's where things kind of devolve. I challenge our writers all the time. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. You can have a thought leader speak for 30 minutes and it can sound great, but unless you understand how to challenge it, help me understand why the customer cares about this. No, keep going, keep going deeper, keep going deeper. And that's what we're always challenging people. Go deeper and think about your customer. If you want to tell them something, think of five reasons the customer actually wants or needs to know it. Don't just say it because it sounds good. If you just sit down and have a thought leader talk to a ghostwriter, you get a product that sounds good from a writing standpoint, but doesn't resonate with your audience. Totally, completely agree. And honestly, and the funny thing is I'm guilty of that myself. When you write for yourself and it's just your perspective, it's harder to challenge your perspective. Like one of the things that I'm looking at is I want to continue to write my content, but I want to start to work with a ghostwriter or someone that can do what I do to challenge my thinking more on things of, Hey, no, why does this make sense to my audience? Right. We generate more results for our clients than we do for us. And when I did a content review, it's like, no crap. Our content's not as good as it should be. I would tell us to do something different, but we're not doing it. I am actually helping out a friend who owns a contracting company do their social media. And I told them ahead of time, need this and this to do a good job, which one was like a frequently asked question page. I already had a lot of their content because I knew how to go in and get it or send me pictures, whatnot. I said, I'll do this for a couple months. And so I felt a little flat. When I got busy and you know why, because they never answered that frequently asked question. And so I'm at a point where I have a ton of stuff that I can keep posting about their services and pictures, but I have to go back and say, Hey, you guys, it's just as bad to post the same stagnant content as it is to not post at all. You know what I mean? Let me take that back. I'm not talking months on end. You want to post every week get yourself out there, get your company page out there, because the sooner you do, the faster it's going to grow. 
don't misunderstand me by thinking I'll post at all, but to post the same picture in the field, logo, et cetera, it's a little harder to engage if it's the same thing. My point is you really got to have that mix like you were just talking about in thought leadership, whereas ghostwriting are based off of what a customer might've been looking for or full page case study or a review or so many different things, something they ran into a spotlight. So I'm at that point to where it's now it's starting to be more of a favor because I have to go back and say, okay, you guys, I really need this without sounding like a jerk. Do you ever feel like you sound like a jerk when you can't explain to them until you implement it and they see the ROI? You can't explain to them why you need it really because they don't grasp it. They think yes. it's just hope. Social media is downplayed all the time, but then everyone recognizes that they have to be on it. But if you get specific on what you're inquiring them to give you to be on it successfully and actually engage, you start to hit a wall. Absolutely. And when I first started doing this full-time on my own, I tried to convince a lot of people. Now I'm not trying to convince anybody. Right. It's, I'm very upfront with what their effort is. So we do everything we can to make it easy on them and make it as least time as possible because these are the people out there running the business, selling every day, traveling all the time. But it's like, hey, if you're not willing to commit an hour and bring information for that first hour, if you're not be able to commit a second hour to be able to review posts, and then if you're not committed to engaging on LinkedIn, there's no point in you paying us to do this because it's right. not going to work. And then wind up in a situation where you're asking me why it's not working. And I'm telling you, you're not participating in the process. And so we try and be very clear and direct up front of, hey, if you're not willing to do this, it's not right for either one of us. So you shouldn't hire us to do it. And yeah. then if a client gets too far out where it's, we feel like we're spinning our wheels, we've we've offboarded clients before where it's like, Hey, it's not working. We can help you find somebody else, but we're not going to commit to this more than you are. We've already done more than our share of it. And if you're not willing to participate in the process, we got to move on. I'm sure you're success oriented, you know, at a certain part, it defeats the purpose. Yeah. And ultimately end up in that position where it's what, like, what am I paying for? And so instead of letting it get to that spot, it's, Hey, you have to do this and this. And if you're not willing to do that, then it's not going to work out and being okay with walking away. And then I think the way you avoid that, or at least I found is we can execute this. But if you're coming to me saying, yes. why should I post on social media? Yeah, You don't believe that you should post on social media. Hey, check out my content. I'd love it if you'd give me a follow on LinkedIn. And then if you start to understand it more there, or Hey, check out this person or do it for yourself and then see. And then, cause there's some people that they'll try and negotiate down in price and it's this is our price. I'm not going to negotiate with you about it. If you don't see the value and I completely understand. And right. guess what? You can definitely find someone cheaper. Will you generate the same results? I don't think so. Otherwise right. I wouldn't put my price where it is. I'm not going to sit here and do a song and dance about why you should be on social media in the industry that we serve, which is pretty specific. It's still a trillion dollar industry. And right. so if you're not the right customer, we will find someone that is the right customer and is more engaged and I just hope they'll follow my content. I actually am generating a post right now. It's about why I do more free work than paid work. Because through the free work, I don't owe them anything. They didn't pay for anything. So I get to learn about what their problems are. I get to learn about them. I can help them. And most importantly, we filter through. You're not a good fit. Like you're just not a good fit for us right now. If you change your perspective, great. But we can only onboard so many people and still do a high quality job. And so we're selective now about who we take on. It's, yeah, we've got the revenue. We need to maintain the reputation and maintain the results. Very interesting. And 
Very understandable. I say all the time, I work a lot in things that I do that's no immediate return, but some of the information that I grab is so valuable that it's, if I do a product demo and someone decides not to purchase our product, I'm engaging with them while I'm demonstrating our product. So that means in front of at minimal 10 people, I'm asking them questions, I'm talking with them. And that actually came naturally because I do not like all the attention on me. That was something I learned early on in sales 15, 20 years ago to engage just because I genuinely like to talk to people and hear about them versus it be about. So that information though, that I do speak to them about is so valuable. And it honestly helps me sell it to the next person even better. So it's, it truly is valuable, those conversations and going back to not convincing them of social media. I just said last week at a conference, one person mentioned my online presence, LinkedIn presence. And I said, yeah, it's so great. A lot of people I know now, like I'm genuinely connected with them and that a lot of it's due to LinkedIn, but now we're past that point, but someone else was talking about it. And I said, yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? My mind was going in a million different directions at the trade show. And I quickly brought it back. I said, you know what? It's not crazy. I'm not going to downplay it anymore. It takes a lot of effort, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm not going to downplay it anymore, <laughs> but truly I take time to engage. I take time to connect with them off of LinkedIn. I take time to be conscious of what I'm posting, that they're going to gain information from it or connect with me, or I'm going to resonate and someone else is going to identify with me that I've connected with on LinkedIn that might find it funny. A million different reasons. Almost everything looks easy from the outside. But right. when you get in there and actually start to do it, you figure out where the challenging parts are. And it's just like anything. When you take something seriously, you create a process, you stick with it, you're religious about it, you gain that skill, you gain that skill over time. And it's not easy, right? Well, so Matt, I have a marketing background. Yeah. So that's another <laughs> thing I'm not going to downplay. Like that is one of the reasons I was able to fast forward so much in our industry is I have that powerful combination of a marketing and a sales background. I respect both and I take a little from each to move a little further in the sales cycle. But an issue with that, and I know you recognize as you work with a lot of hybrid and director of sales and marketing, I can never fine tune, like you had mentioned early on, fine tune, especially marketing sales. I really don't need much more help, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm very creative and I like to read and I like to up my game and improve. And it's hard to fine tune those things when you're a hybrid. So um, you only have so much time in the day, but you, yeah. you have the access to the information, which is good. I think that's the biggest issues that marketers have is they don't have to live with their product. So yeah. they aren't out there talking to customers that even if it's just traditional marketing in our space where you give them a brochure and they don't give it, they don't care about it. Right. Say you put all this time and effort into, they just don't care. They don't read it. Or when, Hey, we're, we're posting on LinkedIn. Yeah. They don't care about that. Yeah. It's a visually compelling thing. It might get a lot of likes. It might get engagement, but it's not something that my customers mention when I talk to them. That is so spot on. I'm hyper-focused on one of our products and early on in trade shows, our data and our third-party testing and our case studies blows the leading competitors out. And as far as it's a better superior product and it shows in our data, but one of the things I used to do is push that data on them at the trade show. And now it's complete 180. I talk to them or I let them ask me for that brochure or I don't push the brochure on them anymore. If I got them in front of me, I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to engage with them 
versus just handing off the data sheet or whatever's at our boot or a giveaway. Because the more I get used to trade shows, the more I'm actually just talking with them versus pushing print. Yes, that's one of the situations where thought leadership comes into play too. That's why I say measure the stuff that's happening at conferences. When yeah. you're talking to that potential customer that you haven't talked to before, what are they talking to you about? They say, hey, yeah, we have consumed your content. What or, caught their attention? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Or what problems are they bringing up? Is it problems you've already been talking about? And so if it's not, hey, we need to do something on the content. And if it is, that shows you that it's working. You just said what led them so what caught their attention? What led them to you? What are they talking to you about? And so I just had somewhat of an epiphany. So a lot of times my LinkedIn presence will bring them, they'll recognize me more than likely want to do business with me. So that's something I need to recognize right away that I didn't think about. So that means it's even 20 times more important to talk to them about what need they have right now, because the fact that they want to do business with you is already solidified. So it's even more about them. Yeah. Don't dismiss that stuff that's happening at the conference. The whole goal, especially if you're not selling a product directly through a website and that's one of your top channels, your whole goal should be able to create more conversations, yeah. more of these situations where your customers Congrats. can talk to you and yeah. then they feel like they know you I interviewed a uh, Diane Eldridge, who's with Amazon AWS, AIML. And that's what she talks about. I asked her, because that's my experience too. It's most of the people that have hired me have never engaged with my content. I wouldn't even know that they followed my content. Right. But then when they come right. to me, they say, hey, I want to talk to you about this specific thing that you talk Absolutely. about, right? She said, same thing. She said, so many times I'll go into a meeting where I know I've been connected with them or they've seen my stuff, but I they've never liked it. They've never done anything. But then they talk about, oh yeah, I like your post. I like your content. And then they talk to me about the problems that I talk about. Yes, totally agree. I run into that all the time. That is where getting someone that believes in it is important because if you're going to discount all of that or everything has to be measured down to, hey, where does this convert at what particular point? It's, hey, we're not the right fit. You view it differently than I do. If you want me to do a cold outbound email campaign, we're not your partner. Don't right, believe in right. it. I believe in brand. I believe in reputation. I believe in relationships. And that's antithetical to forming strong relationships with customers, in my opinion. Not saying it doesn't work. I see it work for some people, but it's to me more of a volumetric way of doing things. And I would rather focus on developing long-term relationships, then hit someone with the right email at the right time, right when they're about to buy something. And then the other 99% of the people, because that's what a good conversion rate looks like on email. The other 99% right. of the people you're pissing off because you're sending them random emails. And I thought about that thought early on when you're sending out emails. If I was to hire a company that said they were going to generate leads by sending out an email campaign, Taking that risk of making my already emailed clients upset or taking the risk of my emails now going into spam isn't worth it. But to just hire a random marketing company for that, for me at least, wouldn't be worth it. But I think that your marketing expertise in the way that you and your team go about marketing is the sustaining way anyway. So the thought leadership from an approach as a director of sales and marketing, I could see how your content that you create for them or the campaigns that you create for them. I could see 10 years from now, someone reading an article that you posted 
on behalf of them that say, hey, I want to hire you. It's the same thing with like text messages. I understand that it works in some areas. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but at what cost? And when a high conversion rate is less than 1% or 1%, what are the other 99% of the people that you're reaching out to think about what you're doing? What's more valuable to you? You speaking to all of them and in a way that they care about, or are you siphoning off that 1% and how sustainable is that over the long term? The thing I love about social media is People are already on social media, right? If they don't want to see your stuff, they'll unfollow you. You're not going to bother them. If you make it so it's not a commercial, they'll tune in. And then they're more likely to watch your commercials when you talk about what you do. But if you're peppering them with emails, filters are getting better, but they're still not great. So you receive a certain amount of them. I wonder what the long-term implications of that are. Like I believe in email. But I think the deeper you go into a personal channel, the more value you have to add. If a customer wants to do email, they want to generate a list, all for it. But how are you going to use this list to add value? And then how are you going to communicate how you're going to add value? If you're going to send text messages to somebody's phone, man, you better make it good information. You better make it relevant to a lot of people and you better make it worthwhile. Otherwise, you're just going to piss a lot of people off in a time when I don't want my freaking vendor texting me. What people in our industry want that? Agree. So as a leader, how do I inspire other company personnel to post the right targeted material on LinkedIn while also encouraging them to be themselves? And does being themselves mean only being their professional selves? So I do not believe being themselves is being their only professional selves. I think everyone has to find how to walk that line and where they're comfortable. So when we take on a thought leader and we write on their behalf, we're always trying to push them to be more personal. Some people don't want to say anything personal. Some are comfortable talking a little bit about their past work experience. Like personal doesn't have to be about your kids. It doesn't have to be about your dog. Although people do appreciate that content on LinkedIn, especially when you frame it the right way, but people care about your work history. They care about stories from when you were younger in the field. They care about how you help the customer solve this problem. And you have to get more personal to be able to tell that. Always try and meet people where they are and push them a little bit to be uncomfortable. You don't want to be really uncomfortable because if they're super uncomfortable, they just opt out or they won't get behind what we're doing. So it's, can we take a little bit of a risk here? You told me this great story about how when you were 23 years old on this project, you made this big impact. This is how you did it. Can we tell that story? And let's just see how it works out. It almost always works out. So it's such a self-fulfilling thing that once you get them to take the leap a little bit, it's, oh, okay, they like that. It becomes reassuring. The other issue you have is then it becomes too much. They just want to post personal stuff because that performs the best. It's like, hey, we do have to get this message out. So I would encourage them to be be personal, professional, wherever they're comfortable and push them to go a little bit more personal when they can. And then making it as easy as possible on them. So getting someone to actually author content, that's hard because someone's got to have the time, the desire, and then understand how to write in that way for them to be comfortable. If you can find a way for you to create frameworks of posts where they can plug and play, or you can find someone to be able to ghostwrite on their behalf, that is to me a better way to be able to do it. Not a better way. It's just, you're more likely to get results because the other thing you run into is your engineering manager. Yes, we want them on LinkedIn, but that's not their main thing. And so how much time in a month do we want them spending on LinkedIn versus how much do we want BD people doing that? And so that's where you got to try and make it as easy as possible on them, almost write it for them. Like our process takes, we need three hours a month from whoever we're working with. In three hours a month, we can 
be able to generate enough posts. We get the results and we're good to go. If it's less than three hours, it's very difficult. And yeah. as you move through the process and the ghostwriter gets to know the thought leader better, it can get down to like closer to two hours, but at a minimum it's two hours. But when you start to go, someone spending an hour a week or an hour a day trying to write a post, that is where I think that you'll lose your good people because they're focused on what they're doing. And then you'll just have BD people that write, which isn't bad. But we're BD people. We can tend to be the infomercial people. And that's the last thing you want. You want the people that your customers are going to work with and buy from and spend time with. They're the ones you want out there communicating it. Yeah. Let me ask this one last one. What are five items to first focus on when building a strong LinkedIn profile? So getting comfortable doing something is the first step. If there's not someone that's producing content in your behalf, get comfortable doing something. Get a process to be able to connect with people, engage with content, and understand the market better. I use LinkedIn for a lot of things. The most powerful thing I use it for is when I have a client that I take on that's in a specific industry, I use LinkedIn to be able to get to know people in that industry. What are yeah. they posting? How to connect with them? How to talk with them? That right there is super powerful. And that is why it's so super powerful. It, it takes some effort. It takes some work. It takes some research. Connect with people that expand your audience. So if you think about like you're ramping up to posting, if you're connecting with people, that's increasing the number of people that will eventually see your content when you're comfortable posting. If you're consuming content on or offline, how can you frame that in a way that's beneficial to all the people you've been connecting with? Yeah. So now you're not necessarily writing original posts. You're distilling information that you consume that's long form hey, to this I audience. This and then you can get to more novel ideas or things that you believe in. And it follows that natural progression. It's humans, right? Not that you shouldn't care about the metrics, but care a lot more about what people are telling you. I have people that pay for my services that don't engage with my content. They tell me all the time how much they like it. They tell me they care about it. So do I care that much about the digital like? It would help me get other customers. But at the end of the day, they support me in a more material, meaningful way. And yeah. that's what's really important. Don't forget that it's humans. And to your point, the recency bias you see that play out all the time. If you just want to comment on people's stuff, that's at least getting you in the newsfeed for people. You, that's, you're not generating original content then, and you don't need to do it from big accounts, right? There's people like you. There's always people that are starting, and there's a lot more people that post them frequently. I'm like a, a hyper commenter and like person, not because I'm trying to get in other people's networks. I don't comment on the largest accounts on LinkedIn to try and get their audience. It's, hey, this person never posts. Hey, great post. Love that. That's awesome. Just trying to support other people that That's are trying to I do their gonna, thing. It's crazy to me to think that people don't think about supporting other people. You still got to like others or support others. Do it genuinely in things that you're truly interested about. Think about it supporting others, even if you haven't even started posting yet. Have you seen something that's useful, comment or share it, even if it's just sharing a message? or like it, just, it's really about supporting others too. I think everyone's self-conscious to a certain degree. I'm going to post no matter what. I post a certain amount of times a day. It's a part of my business. It's a part of what I do. But when someone takes the time to make a post that they are passionate about or believe it's right. going to help people in their industry, like, I hate when I see those posts get no engagement. It's right. like, come on, like they're out here trying. And even if it's not good, it's like, at least they took the dive. I forget the statistics, but it's such a small percentage of people that are active on LinkedIn actually post on LinkedIn. So absolutely support people. We're all trying to get this together. The pie is large enough 
It's not, I'm going to get yours. If I like your post or your people aren't going to engage with mine, it's rising tide lifts all boats. Let's take care of each other. Let's help each other. Let's all build something great. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I appreciate all of your answers. I've certainly learned something from them. Awesome. I appreciate you doing this. When you uh, when you get a list of other hard consulting questions, we'll do this again. Thank all you very right. much, Heidi. Thanks. Bye, Matt.